Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. So today we're uh, doing a series, and I don't think we have the series video, but it is Come With Me If You Want to Live, right? Has anybody seen that down here? Have you guys seen it at all? And it has the Terminator. Does anybody know what the Terminator is? Okay, so the Terminator movies, some people may not know, or they might know. Um, when we, uh, when the leadership chose the title for the series, um, I... Um, love talking about reaching the lost. Um, That is one thing that I I am passionate about. Mark shared a couple of weeks ago. um, I'm a little off because we've had some guest speakers, so I'm not sure. But he was the last one to talk about this topic, Come With Me If You Want to Live. And um, he shared, uh, unfortunately, what I remember most about what he shared was how humble he was in saying, I wish I did this better. And as I was preparing for today, I feel the same way about reaching the lost. I feel like I, I have a passion for it, but I do fall short sometimes. And um, so I'm just going to be real honest today about some of the things that, that God has asked me to do. But I want you to know that, um, that it isn't always that way. Sometimes God asks me to do things, and I, I don't always listen when he's asking me to reach out to people around me. So coming up with a sermon title for today's message... Um, I was like, oh, great, they have this Terminator video, and it's so amazing, and I don't have any clue how to tie this in. And um, so I went to my friend Google, and you know that that's my friend, and I typed in famous quotes from Terminator. And I came up with this one, and it's called One Possible Future. And if you don't know the Terminator um, movie, the very first one, what happens is... um, the actual setting is here on earth now, but it takes, but it starts in the future where there's this war between the robots and the humans. And so what happens is the robots are winning, or actually the, the humans are coming up with this rebellion, and so the robots send a Terminator back in time to come here to earth to kill the mother of the leader of the rebellion. Okay, so... John is the leader of the rebellion. His mother is Sarah. And so this Terminator, who is a robot, Arnold Schwarzenegger, comes back to kill her. And, um, well, the humans, John Connor says, okay, we've got to send somebody back there, too, to help him, help him out or help her out so she can, um, she, she, she can, you know, survive so that the rebellion can live on. So am I going to use a clicker or Okay, so I will have to tell you when to do that, and I'm going to get rid of this then. Um, so, so you can click to the next slide. So this is the um, uh, a picture from that, that movie. And so what happens is this guy who comes back in time finds Sarah right after Arnold tries to kill her. And she's like, what is going on? And he says, well, you know, there's these, these robots. And she's like, Okay, that was no robot. And he says, so I'm going to quote this because I wasn't technically savvy enough to inject the video. So Kyle says, the 600 series had rubber skin and we spotted them easy, but these are new. They look human. Sweat, bad breath, everything. They're very hard to spot. I had to wait until he moved on you before I could zero him in. And she's like, look, I'm not stupid, you know. They can't make things like that yet. And he says, well, not yet. Not for about 40 years. And she goes, okay, wait. You're saying it's from the future, and he says, one possible future. 
And then it goes on later, and she says to him, so are you sure you have the right person? And he says, I'm sure. And she goes, look, do I look like the mother of the future? I mean, am I tough or organized? I can't even balance my checkbook. Look, Reese, I didn't ask for this honor, and I don't want it. And he responds that your son gave me a message. And the message is this. Thank you, Sarah, for your courage. I can't help you with what you must soon face except to know, to say that the future is not set. And what struck me about that is when we think about people and their futures, I'm going to be real honest, you can click it. I look at people, and um, I picked all these people out, and if you look at that person, that little baby up there, in the middle and the top, what I see is an endless possibilities. I see a baby whose future is not set. That baby can do anything. They can be, I don't know if it's he or she, but it could be a doctor, it could be a lawyer, it could, it could find the cure for cancer, it could do anything. But when, if I'm really honest with you, I look at the people to the left and to the right, and I see people who have no future. And not a really great one, anyway. I, I look at the two little kids, and I think, you know, they're, it's hopeless. I don't really see anything that could come out of their lives. And the woman on the, on the right, I, I just think, what could she possibly have to look forward to? I see hopelessness. And when I look at the homeless man, I see the same thing. And, and if I'm really being honest, I see the older couple and I think, well, future is really set. You know, everything's done. And what you've done with your whole life is already decided now. I mean, you've already made your choices and, and that's it. And the woman who, the two women in the, on the other side, I see the woman yelling at the, and really, if I'm really being honest, I look at that woman and think, you're worthless. How could you do that? And I don't even know the story. I mean, maybe she's rightfully wronged. or I mean, she's right in being angry because she was wronged. That's how I see those pictures. If I'm really being honest, my first initial response is not one of hope or one of a future that has possibilities. But what God sees is a different perspective. And we're talking about reaching the lost Okay, Mark, now it's, now it's comfortable in here. No, don't click it yet. Um, when, I, when I think about reaching the lost or reaching out to people and saying salvation or offering a salvation message, oftentimes we limit that to just salvation. And, and sometimes, you know, we could offer salvation to any one of those people. But God's message is more than that. It's about changing your life here and now, not just what happens in heaven. It's not just about getting a ticket in. It's about having hope and having peace and having comfort in where you're at right now. That's what we're supposed to be offering. That's what God offers. And um, so now you can click a mark. So what I want to do is talk about his perspective. And um, if you have a Bible, you might want to open it up because I didn't, put all of the scripture on here. So Mark 18, I I just want to take you through a few verses. Um, In Mark 18, starting in verse 1, 
<clears throat> it says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and put him among them. And I'm going to pause. You know, when we were doing worship today, there was a beautiful young lady who was being a child of God up here. And I just felt like, you know, if we could all, you know, worship with that kind of abandon, I mean, what God's heart would sing if we could do that. You know, if we could just really let go of, of our adult properness and just be his child, that would just be amazing. But um, he goes on and says, then he said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. me. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in my presence are in the presence of my heavenly Father. And the Son of Man came to save those who are lost. Mark, could you click it? So, um, you know, when we read this, we, we see this example of children. And can you click it again? And what, what, I, what struck me is, you know, Jesus talked in parables a lot. And this is a parable as well. This whole, whole section is a parable because he's talking about whoever is like a, a little child but, you know, little children, um, when we think of little children, one way to think of a child, the difference between a child and adult is knowledge and experience. So little children don't have knowledge and they don't have experience the same as an adult does. Neither does someone who doesn't know God. They don't have knowledge about him and they don't have experiences with him. And so he's, he's really saying, don't beware that you don't look down on anyone who's lost as well as any little child. People who don't understand God's love, we shouldn't be looking down on them. Sorry, that's kind of hard. (laughs) It was a hard message for me that I would actually, I do that. I look at people differently and really they're God's children. You know, and he says, beware, do not look down or despise any of them. Um, And then it continues on and he says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out and search for the one that's lost? If he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way. It is not my Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Can you click it again, Mark? It's not God's will that anyone should perish. You know, we sang about um, God's love today, and, and really his love is for everyone. It is for everyone. It's not just um, for a select few. It, it's for everyone. That's why he put this, this is why Jesus taught this. It's not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles. And it's not just for the Christians, it's for the non-Christians. It's for everyone. Even if you think they are not worthy, God thinks they're worthy. Um, 
I, I had an opportunity to go visit. I have um, five kids. My two oldest are girls and my three youngest are boys. My two youngest boys live at home with me, but I have a son who's 24, going to be 25. He lives out in California, and he just moved there a year ago. And um, I had an opportunity to go visit him. And uh, my two boys and I, we flew out to California. And while we were there, we did some really cool stuff. We went into the ocean, and we um, swam, and we got to boogie board. And the riptide is something else that makes Lake Michigan look really tame, although Lake Michigan is dangerous. Um, but while we were there, one of the very first days, um, I had this necklace on, and, and my husband gave it to me. It's very precious to me. I, um, he gave it to me on our first anniversary of dating. And... Um, as we were coming out of the one of the times I was on a boogie board, I felt it like really tug, and I thought I'm going to lose this. So when we got back to the place we were staying, I I put it away, and um, on the very last day, uh, we were supposed to get up and meet my son Kenny at 7 a.m. and I was supposed to check out by nine, so we were supposed to meet him at 7 a.m. and so we I, I got up at six o'clock and we were packing, and he was going to take us to some crazy cove where we might cliff jump and yes I cliff jumped 30 feet into the water and it was awesome um but anyway so I didn't want to put my necklace back on so I took my necklace and I went to go put it in a safe place and the phone rang and then something else happened and then I couldn't find my necklace and um it was only a 400 square foot little studio apartment that we had rented and um so I knew I had was going to put it someplace, so I looked everywhere. And I unpacked and repacked my bag three times. I couldn't find my necklace. I tore everything apart. My boys got up, and they started helping me look. And I said, no, 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 just, just you guys need to pack. We have to leave. Like, we have to leave at 7 o'clock. There, it, you know, we, and we have to be out of the place by 9. I mean, and I've torn everything apart. So um, 45 minutes. I looked and looked and looked, and finally I, I didn't know what else to do. I'd been praying, and I just I decided I was going to call my husband because I needed to be talked off the edge because I was panicked, and I was anxious, and I was worried, and I didn't really want to leave without it, but I knew I had to. So I left. Or I took my phone, and I went outside because I didn't want my boys to see me completely lose it, and um and so I'm on my phone with, with Ray, and, I, and I'm just like, I just got to go, and I can't believe I'm doing this. And I'm just, I'm a basket case. And out walks Caleb holding my necklace. And I just, what, like, what washed over me, the relief that washed over me. And the Lord said to me, that's how much I love people, how much you treasure that necklace. And um, and and First Timothy, can you click it again? Um, two, three through six. It says, um, God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth, for there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. He gave His life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave the world at just the right time. So God's message is that he wants everyone to be saved, so much so that he gave up his son. You know, um, my necklace is really precious to me, but it doesn't really mean a whole lot to my kids. Like, I mean, in, in reality, like, okay, mom, it's a necklace. 
But my kids knew how much it meant to me. And so they looked at it and they looked for it because of their love for me. And that's what God asks us to do is look at people. The way, I mean, if you really love God, you're going to love what he loves. And he loves people. So can you click it again? So every one of these people, God loves. He loves as much as, he loves so much that even if just one of them were in trouble, he would give his son to die for them. And he did. That's how much he loves every one of them. And that's how much he loves every one of you. And what's more is his love for them doesn't stop. He also gives us a command. And you can click. So his command for us is found in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, and we know this one, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that little part, I mean, I know, like for me, I know the first part of that scripture. I know it. I repeat it. I say it. But the last part, I kind of overlook. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is his promise to us. But it's his promise to all those people, too. And that is part of the message, is that we need to be giving the message that God can be with you always, even to the end of the age. You don't have to be alone. I'd like to say that, you know, I meet somebody and, and share, share a message with them, and, and they're really struggling. I want to go with them and help them. But, but the truth is, I can't do that. I can't walk someone's life with them. But God can, and he promised to do that. And um, can you click it again, Mark? Um, and then, and then in Matthew 22, um, I'm going to read a portion of this. It's um, Matthew 22, 2 through 16, um, and this is Jesus telling a parable about the wedding feast. And um, he says, "The kingdom of heaven will be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come." So he sent other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come. And then I'm going to skip down. And he said to his servants, uh, so he, he goes um, and sends out servants again. And, and the people take the servants and kill them. So the king is furious. And he sent out an army to destroy them. And then he says to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. And the guests I invited aren't worthy of honor. Now go to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. Now, that whole passage has got a lot in it, and I don't have time to preach all of that. So um, I have to skip to what I really felt like God was saying here. And that's now the command is to us. We're his servants We know that from the scriptures. We're his servants. And he says to us to go out to the street corners and invite everyone. Everyone you see. So the servants bring in everyone they can find, good and bad alike. When I read this, I was like, wow. One, I don't invite everyone I see. And two, I judge who gets to come in. The good or the bad. 
I make that judgment on who they are. And I felt like God, you know, really challenged me that his heart is for everyone. And my heart needs to be like his. Can you click it again? So who is everyone? I think I kind of covered that. Everyone. (laughs) Everyone you see. Strangers. Acquaintances. Friends. Family. I'm going to talk a little bit about how you can effectively meet some of those. But I just wanted to share with you a little bit about family. First, um, you know, I, I shared with you that, you know, my kids, um, and I've, I shared with you before, and if, if you weren't here before, um, my older kids, I would not say, are serving the Lord the way that I think they should be. Uh, they don't attend church regularly. They aren't, um, from my perspective, it doesn't seem like they, they are really connected with God. And, um, and I shared with you how God really, it's funny because I just, uh, maxed out my, my, I don't know, my iPad wasn't working and I had to delete a bunch of stuff. And so I realized I had like four years worth of emails that I couldn't part with. And one of them was a word that God had given me about my kids. And um, I just found it yesterday. And, and he had told me that I needed to stop judging my kids and start loving them. And um, I shared with you how I did that with my daughter. So my son... And his girlfriend went a year ago. They went out to um, California because they wanted to live the dream. Um, she got this great job, and he's been working at this place. And anyway, um, so my two boys and I flew out there just to see them. And we got there on Friday night, and they picked us up from the airport. And I was, it was so exciting to see my son and, and see where he lives. And he's a skateboarder and, like, you know, like check out his places. And, and, uh, and um I knew like his he was kind of um, he was really excited about us coming, but he was a little bit anxious because he's like, well, maybe you could go to Knott's Berry Farm and maybe you could go to this thing or maybe you could like trying to show us California. And I'm like, no, I want to see what you see. I want to go to the places you go to, you know, and he took us to amazing places. But on um, Saturday, we ended up going to some L.A. things and um and it wasn't anything that you would think of. We went to the Griffith Observatory. And we went to Runyon Canyon. And um, they were having a heat wave. It was 96 degrees. And it was really humid. And they were all complaining. And I'm like, eh, I've been through this before in Michigan, you know. So um, I got up Sunday morning. And I, was, I decided to ride my bike to find out how far the ocean really was. And uh, I was riding my bike. And I was praying. And I was like, you know what, God? I just, I just want... I just want to see my son do, you know, I just want his life to be not so hard. And, and I'd really like, you know, maybe if I could just say this, or maybe if I could just tell him to do this thing. And we were going to go to church with him. They, they had found a church that they had attended a couple of times. They really wanted to take us to it and wanted to take me to it. And, and um, so this is before the church. And, and I'm like, God, you know, if I could just, maybe if I could just tell him if he could do this. And God very clearly said to me, you don't like to be controlled, so why do you think your son wants to be controlled? I was like, wow, God, that's really hard. And um, I said, actually, I didn't say that. I said, what I actually said was, you don't understand. This is my son. I actually did say that. It's kind of dumb. But, and God said, no, you don't understand. He's my son. Um, 
and God loves him more than I do. Because I don't think I'd sacrifice one of my other kids so that he would live. But God would. God loves him so much that he gave his son. Um, and interestingly enough, <laughs> we went to church at their church that morning. And, um, and it turns out they've only been a couple of times in the last year. But we went there and the preacher was going through and talking about Jacob. And an interesting take on Jacob. I'll have to... Huh? Yeah, a little wrestling. Um, and, he, and he got done, and, and his end call was, um, so you're, if you're having an issue with control, I'd like you to stand up. And in all of my, yes, I know, it was very funny. I just thought, God, you are not funny. And so I sat there, honestly, and said, in my rebelliousness, I am not standing up. Because here's my kid and his girlfriend, and I don't want to show weakness. And, and, and then the pastor stood in the front, and he said, you know, we're going to take another minute because I think there's a few more of you who haven't stood up. And I'm like, God, are you kidding me? And so I stood up and then he had people pray for people. And, and it was amazing and it was really good. And I was able to share my heart with my son and tell him and actually was honest with him and said, you know, I want to control you because I want to do this thing. And God told me not to. But he loves you, and I just want you to know I love you, too. And he was able to receive that, and it was really great. So um, you can click it, Mark. So um, effective evangelism. You can click it again. The first thing um, I want to talk about is that you need to pray. And that is one thing that I know we all say, but really praying for my son, even praying that morning, you know, and having God tell me to stop trying to control, that was part of praying. You know, it was giving me an effective tool. But um, while we were in California, um, one of the things that I did get a chance to do, I had thought, well, you know, we're going to go out here and maybe their roommates, I'd heard about their roommates, and they've got a kind of checkered life, kind of sketchy. And I thought, well, maybe I'd get a chance to witness to them, or maybe I'd get a chance to do this thing. Or, <clears throat> But... Um, I, and it never, it never, the door never opened. And But God did tell me one morning, I, we were driving, and... Um, Kind of a weird story. I have this ice in the back. So it's in California. And I, we had borrowed their car, and it didn't have air conditioning. So I really needed to get the ice to their apartment where we were going. And um, we're driving along, and I see this garage door, and it's open, just random house in this subdivision that they live in. And there's a guy working on a cradle. And the Lord said, I want you to go and encourage him. And I was like, Okay, seriously, I have ice melting in the car. <laughs> I, I really, I got a, okay, yeah, I'm going to ignore that. So I drove to where we were going and um, left the boys and got the ice in the freezer and stuff. And and it just, God was like, I really want you to encourage him. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go back on a bike because it seems weird to just drive into someone's driveway. <laughs> so I got on this bike and I, I rode, but it was only a couple blocks away and, and all the while, instead of praying, I started thinking of things that I would say. What could I say? I'll say this. This is what I'll say. I'll say, oh, what a great dad that you would make a cradle for your baby, and that's so cool. Or, you know, and, and I had rehearsed this whole thing, and I got, up, got off my bike and said, wow, that's really beautiful. And in my head went, oh, you called this all wrong because that guy is not the dad. And so I started to walk up, and this guy is, and it turns out to be a grandfather. And um, But everything I'd rehearsed to say, you know, because I was 
superseding what God was doing for me. Um, I, so I walked up and I said, wow, this is beautiful, and just struck up a conversation about his cradle. And, and it turns out his, his granddaughter was being born the next day, and he was trying to finish it. And, and um, I said, you know, I just was driving by, and I felt like the Lord really wanted me to encourage you that you um, have a gift that you're, you know, that, that you have a gift in building, um, and not unlike Jesus. You know, Jesus was a carpenter. And he said, you know, I've always felt like that, but everyone discourages me. I've always been, everybody just says I shouldn't even do this, and, but I just always felt like I had a gift. And I was like, oh, wow. So that was the message God wanted to share. And then I asked him if I could pray with him, and so I prayed with him, and and he was so blessed by my prayer. He took me into his house, showed me all the remodeling he was doing, and, and was telling me about this Christian fishing thing that they had invited him to. And so, I mean, I don't, I was, I was blessed to bless him. You know, I mean, I was obedient in that one, one um, area. And that was what praying did for me. So then the next, um, the next thing is to be willing to share. And that was one of the things I struggled with. I wasn't really willing, but I, I came through. Go ahead next. Um, you know, the other thing is Jesus hung out with sinners. And I say that, and I, I hate to say that that way, because it sounds almost like I'm saying we should just go hang out with sinners. And we should. And not forget that we're one of them. You know, we're sinners too. And so um, we can, you know, often I think, oh, well, let's go hang out at the bar, because that's where the sinners are. But sometimes the sinners are at the soccer field and at the grocery store and maybe at the church, you know, because we're all sinners and we all need Jesus. Hmm? Is all still all? Yeah. Um, And be full of compassion. And I had some scriptures I was going to read to you, but I'm not going to do that right now because I'm going to skip. Um, Be full of compassion. Jesus, the scriptures are full of the places where Jesus was full of compassion. And um, I had a chance, I don't know if you guys knew um, about Jesus Loves Kalamazoo, but it's a, a, a movement or an involvement. And there was a kickoff day before they did this stuff where they went out into the streets and did evangelism. There was this kickoff day where all the churches, and there's like 40 different churches and organizations, and we're talking Lutheran and Catholic and everybody's coming. And we went to Bronson Park, which is the main park in town, and uh, they were... It was going to be a worship service. But when I got there, um, one of the leaders said, hey, we're looking for people to pray for people. And in the park, um, it was very obvious who was there for one worship and who was not there for one worship. It has become a place where homeless hang out. Okay, so it was there was an obvious divide, and um, a lot of the Jesus loves Kalamazoo pe- people were wearing red T-shirts too. So anyway, I had this prayer card, and these two people were standing or walking around, and I walked up and just said, "Hey, um, I'm supposed to pray for people, and so do you have a prayer request?" And the guy takes the girl's arm and he shows it to me and says, "Yeah, she's a cutter and she needs prayer," and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I I touched her hand. And she immediately, you know, backed away. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, You know, I shouldn't have touched her. And um, I said, I'm so sorry. Um, 
And I said, I can't remember what I said. And, and then immediately God said to me, she's afraid of me. And I said, um, are you afraid of God? And she goes, yes. And starts to cry. And I said, I am so sorry that someone or somebody or some church told you that you should be afraid of him because he loves you. And I had a chance to share with her how much he loved her and that he he wasn't ashamed of her and he was willing to take her the way she was. And, and, um, and then I asked if I could pray for her. And after showing compassion for her situation, she grabbed my hands and let me pray for her. And I got a chance to pray for her, and she, um, she actually said, um, I could give you my information. Where are you going to be this week? Can I come again? You know, having compassion for people and, and listening to people, that's a huge thing. That is a huge thing. And then the last thing is to not give up. Or it's to share your experiences. It's not the last thing. <laughs> um, to share your experiences. You know, Jesus taught in parables. And sometimes we can have an opportunity. And um, I had one more story to share um, about a woman I worked with. And she, um, she had a situation going on in her life where someone that she loved very much was totally addicted to drugs. And um, I was able to share with her an experience in my life where I dealt with someone who was addicted to drugs. And it was, you know, it can be like a parable. I can share my experience and it can open up for them how it can really look. And then the last thing is to never give up. You know, God doesn't give up on any one of us and he doesn't give up on anyone out there either. And, um, and then the, the one thing that I, I was reading through Matthew. So can you click it again, Mark? And in Matthew 24, um, um, Matthew 24, 3 through 12, there's this one verse, and he's talking about this, his disciples are asking him, what's going to happen in the end? And um, what happens at the very end? You know, when, when's all it gonna, when are you going to come back and all of that? And Jesus gives his, you know, this is going to happen in wars and blah, 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 blah. And then he says, because of the increase of wickedness, sin will be rampant everywhere. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of most will grow cold. And I felt like that was a warning to all of us that as we look at the world getting worse and worse and the culture doing crazy stuff and and some of it just seems out of control, that we shouldn't let our love grow cold. We shouldn't look at people and go, well, they're too far gone. Or we we should keep our love burning like God's love is burning for those people. And then, the, in the end, Mark, can you click it again? In the end, the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. And so, my last um, plea is for you to decide, do you want to partner with God and offer a possible future to those around you? You know, are you willing to step out of your comfort zone and, um, you know, walk up to a stranger or, or lay down your judgments about your family or, um, you know, step out at work and say something encouraging, you know, um, to someone who maybe is being picked on? 
Or, you know, we, we just got done with a series um, a little while ago about submission. You know, are you willing to honestly submit to your superior, or your boss, or your authority, even though they're not the best person? Are you willing to submit and just do what God says and show God's love by being, you know, obedient to submit to those who put authority above you? You know, that's what, that's what God's asking us to do is partner with him. And you don't have to. It, it, you don't have to. But just like my boys, you know, instead of getting ready, or maybe they were already were ready, but they didn't, they didn't love my necklace, but they loved me. You know, if you love God, you're going to be caring about the things that he cares about. And he cares about people, every person. So can we just pray? I'm just going to pray for us. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you gave your son so that everyone could have life. Everyone. And that you don't despise anyone. Father, I just ask that you would change our, our mindset that we would see people differently. Father, even today, as we leave today, as, as we go out and to do our, our life this week, that we would see people through your eyes. Father, change our hearts. Where love has grown cold, Father, I just ask for your love to stoke the fires in our heart. That we would pour out love to one another. Father, we want to bring in Everyone, the good and bad alike, we want to bring them all in to your, to your house. We want to bring them all in. We just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.